Thanks for listening to the New Stanton Church podcast. Check out our website at newstantonchurch.com where you can find out how to join our live stream at 901 on Sunday mornings. Now let's prepare our hearts for the word that we're about to receive. Well, good morning, church. If you're joining us for the first time, I'm Pastor Steve. We are in week three of a series called By the King. Uh, Have you heard the story of the fishbowl? I think I've shared it in a sermon before. I often share it as an illustration for funerals. Uh, If you've already heard it, uh, don't interrupt. I'd like to hear it again. Uh, It's a great illustration. A pastor walks into a Bible study, and he is carrying a fishbowl and a bunch of large rocks. And he puts the large rocks into the fishbowl all the way to the top, and he says to the people gathered, is, is the fishbowl full? And everybody says, yeah, like you couldn't get another large rock in that fishbowl if you tried. And the pastor reaches down by the pulpit, and he pulls out a pitcher of pebbles, and he pours it into and among the big rocks, and it filters down, and it goes all the way to the top. And the pastor says to the people gathered, is the fishbowl now full? And everybody says, well, yeah. And the pastor reaches down, he gets a pitcher full of sand. And he pours it and it sifts in between the big rocks and the pebbles. And he fills it all the way to the brim again. And he says, is the fishbowl now full? Everybody's like, well, maybe. <laughs> and the pastor reaches down and he gets a pitcher of water. And he pours it into the rocks and the pebbles and the sand, and he fills it to the brim. And he says, what can we learn about life from the lesson from the fishbowl and managing our time? And there's a lady in the front row, and she goes, oh, oh, pastor, we can always do one more thing for Jesus. We can always fit one more thing in. And the pastor says, that, that's a good lesson. We can always serve Jesus, but that's not, that not, not the lesson I want to talk about this morning. The lesson of the fishbowl is this. You need to make sure you get your big rocks in first. Because if you don't get the big rocks in first, there won't be room left in the fishbowl to prioritize what's really important, and you will find that your life is full of sand and pebbles, but that you missed what was really important. It's a great illustration. It's true, it's profound, and it touches on a very common principle that runs all the way through Scripture, and that is the principle of the firsts. God cares about what is first in our lives. God wants to be first in our hearts. He is a jealous God, which means he wants to be number one. He is possessive of us in a good and healthy way, not a a jealous, manipulative, controlling type of way. That doesn't describe God at all. God even put the principle of the first in the Ten Commandments. Exodus 23 says this, you shall have no other gods 
before me. When God is our biggest rock, everything else seems to just fit in its proper place in the fishbowl of life. Matthew 6:33 says, "But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you." Everything else fits. If God's in there first, they won't just fit, they'll fit well. And it will leave room for the blessings of God. The principle of the first runs all through Scripture. And I want to share three snapshots of the principle of the first with you this morning. This is the first one from Exodus 13, 1 and 2. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me every firstborn male, the first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. So, so God is letting Moses know on the front end of this covenant with his people that the firstborn of everything, the firstborn male belongs to to God. So if your cow has a calf and it's a male, it belongs to God. If your sheep has a newborn baby lamb, it belongs to God. It is his. If your donkey has a colt, you get the picture. God is making it clear that every firstborn, even your sons, belong to him. But there's more to it than that. Look a little farther down in Exodus 13 with me. You are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Here's the principle. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. In other words, you can never break a kid's neck. <laughs> it's never acceptable to break a person's neck, just in case anybody like needs clarity on that. Uh, but this is interesting, right? The first male lamb of a sheep was to be sacrificed. But if it was a donkey and, and he had a male and she had a male colt, it lived. But it needed to be redeemed by the sacrifice of a lamb. If, for every reason, the scripture says, you don't want the donkey, if it's not worth redeeming, if you don't want to give up a sheep to keep it, and it was the firstborn male, you were to break its neck. In other words, if you're not going to redeem it, you will lose it Anyway, because it's God's. First takeaway for the morning. In the principle of the first, the firstborn was to be sacrificed or redeemed. Now, how did the Israelites know what animal needed sacrificed and what animal needed redeemed? Now, God only had two types of animals, clean and unclean. Clean animals, like lambs, were sacrificed. They were an acceptable offering to God. But the unclean animals, like donkeys, 
were redeemed by a clean animal because the unclean animal wasn't a worthy sacrifice to God. It belonged to God, but it needed redeemed by something that he, he deemed was clean. Now, we don't sacrifice animals anymore, but Old Testament rituals that, that, that God put in place proclaim truths about his character that are still true today. So the goal, whenever you read something in the Old Testament about rituals and practices, and you're thinking, what on earth is going on, is to figure out what they show us about God and how we're to relate to him. This is amazing. This principle of sacrificing or redeeming shows us what Jesus did for us. When we are born, are we born clean or unclean? Unclean. Very good. You're good at this. Because of the fall of man, the disobedience of Adam and Eve, we are all born with a sinful nature, this bent towards evil. And we can prove that by asking the experts, moms, do you have to teach your kids to be bad? No, no, not, not, nope, you don't have to teach that. After mama and dada comes mine. And no. <laughs> a two-year-old, a two-year-old will hit and say no and get angry, even if they have never witnessed anyone say no and hit and get angry. When, when our daughter Kelly was old enough to move, and get near Jared's toys. He literally put a cardboard box over her <laughs> and sat on it. <laughs> we were like, no, no, you can't do that. <laughs> Bad comes naturally. It's who we are. We have to teach our kids to be good and to model God's character. And, and just an FYI for you new parents, teaching our kids to model God's character happens through prayer, patience, the Holy Spirit's intervention, <laughs> restraining grace, uh, consistency, and more love than you thought you could ever have. We're praying for you parents. It is not an easy job. Uh, and we're praying for you teens because it is not easy to be a teen in today's world. Amen. Next question. Jesus, when he was born, was he born clean or unclean? Clean. The perfect, get it, lamb of God. This is how this principle shows us Jesus. The clean Jesus had to be sacrificed so that the unclean could be redeemed. That's the plan and the purpose of God in the Old Testament from the practice of the firstborn. God designed it in advance. So generations later, generations of people sacrificing and redeeming animals, when the Messiah, the perfect lamb of God came, some Jewish guy, some Jewish woman would go, oh, I get it. 
Do you know why God wanted the firstborn instead of the second or the third or the fourth or the tenth? It was because the firstborn, my Old Testament professor used to say over and over and over, the firstborn was the one that you were tempted to keep to ensure the quality of your flocks. So returning it to God required trust that he would provide after giving you the first one. God didn't say, after you have 10 sheep, pick one and give it to me. You know, we always, all, all of us would pick the one that always ran away <laughs> and gave us trouble. God, <laughs> you can have this one because like I don't really want it. No, God wants the first one. So we have to trust him to bless us with more. So when we're reading through the Old Testament and we're, we're thinking, what on earth is going on? God, what are you trying to say? We need to study until we figure out how God is trying to reveal himself. We need to ask, how does this show me Jesus? What can I apply here to life? The principle of the first says some things needed sacrificed and other things needed redeemed. And in it, we see a foreshadowing of our salvation. And offering God what was first was a step of faith that requires us to trust him more than if we did it later with the second, third, or fourth. Now, this morning, I'm going to talk about tithing. And if you're new with us this morning or online, I only go here like once or twice a year. Uh, so you happen to pick the day. Welcome to New Stanton Church. Uh, but don't leave. Don't leave because this is a really, really important spiritual issue. And tithing is way more about our hearts than it is about money. Lots of people try to badmouth tithing, saying it was an Old Testament thing. Uh, it started in the Old Testament, that is true. But Jesus affirmed the tithe in Matthew 23, 23. Um, you can look it up later. You'll have to trust me. Matthew 23, 23. For, for me, if Jesus affirmed it, like that's good enough. That's how I roll. God said, the person that doesn't tithe is robbing him. Have you ever thought about what that person is robbing God of? Because God owns it all, and he doesn't really need anything. The truth is, the only thing we really rob God of is the opportunity to bless us for returning to him what he gave to us in the first place. Now, you could send me nasty emails or post little angry faces online <laughs> on the live stream, I suppose, because we're talking about tithing. But tithing is a spiritual heart issue, way more than a financial one. If you tithe, you know that God is faithful in providing, and you have experienced a deeper trust as a result of offering God a tithe. It's funny because people who tithe want other people to know God in that way, and they want other people to tithe, just like they want people that don't know Jesus to know Jesus. It's part of everyone's discipleship journey. I don't know one person who truly ties that has found God to be unfaithful. 
But I know people that don't tithe who get upset <laughs> when, when the topic comes up. Why? Because it's a heart issue more than a financial issue. Snapshot number two. In the principle of the first, the first fruits must be offered. A couple scriptures. Proverbs 3. Honor the Lord with your wealth or your income, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, there's that blessing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Exodus 23. Bring, remember that word, bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. So the first fruits must be offered where? The house of the Lord your God. I would interpret that like many other scholars do, to be where you worship the Lord. So wherever you go to church, that's where you should tithe. Not the Arbor Foundation or the Pet Adoption League. <laughs> church. You can give other places, but according to Scripture, that would be over and above the tithe to God. It's interesting, if you look at those Scriptures and you look at the places in the Bible that talk about tithing, even Exodus 23, never says to give a tithe. It always says to bring a tithe. Bring the first fruits. That's because we can't give what we don't own. The tithe is the first of our wealth, and God has laid claim to it. It's his. So we have a choice. We can bring it or we can steal it. I know that's direct. Sorry, not sorry. Those are the only two choices. We bring, we are to bring what's first. Do you remember the story of Cain and Abel? Let, let's go there. Genesis 43. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked on with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Some people wonder why God didn't accept Cain's offering. But the answer is actually right in the text that we just read. It says, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits. It does not say that Cain brought some of the first fruits. But when it describes Abel's offering, it says fat portions from some of the firstborn. So God looked on favor with Abel's offering and not with Cain because Cain had a trust issue. Cain had a heart problem. He had obviously kept what was first and offered God some of the fruit, but not the first fruits, like out of convenience. Giving God some of what's left over is like, when your kid eats the icing off of a cake and then says, 
do you want the rest? <laughs> You're like, uh, no, <laughs> I don't. God is a jealous God. He wants to be first in our heart, and he wants us to trust him with what's first. So the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed, and the first fruits must be offered. Snapshot number three. In the principle of the first, the tithe must be first as well. It belongs to God. We're just returning it. Leviticus 27.30. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. This is the same language as Exodus 13. The tithe belongs to God. We don't own it. And it is holy or set apart for God. How, are, how do you and I bring the first of our wealth? Let's say you have a, a, a garage, and, and I pay you to put new tires on my Jeep. And you say, Pastor Steve, this is the price of the tires. This is the price of mounting and balancing the tires. And the profit that I'm going to gain for the labor and doing all that is going to be $1,000. Now, I know that that is a ridiculous number for putting labor on the tires for a Jeep. But I'm a preacher. <laughs> and I want to keep the math simple. So we're going to do preacher math this morning. Um, if I pay you in full and give you $1,000 for the job, how much is the tithe? 10%. So the tithe is 100 bucks. See, preacher math. But that's only the math part of the equation. You tithe on the increase that you gain. If I give you 10 $100 bills as your profit for putting tires on my Jeep, which is the tithe? The answer is the first one that leaves your hand is your tithe. Because we don't tithe out of convenience or bring what's left over. We bring God what's first. You see, what some people do is they pay the mortgage, they buy the groceries, they go out to dinner, they do a little shopping on Amazon, and then discover, oh, man, there's not enough left over for God. And they bring God what's left. But that's like Cain's offering. In the course of time, he brought some. God doesn't want it. God doesn't look on it with favor. Why? Because we didn't put him first or trust him to provide. Amazon doesn't have the power to bless your finances. But God does. Somehow, we have to take a leap of faith to know this because bringing God what's first and having his blessing on the rest of our finances, the 90%, works out better than having 100% of our finances because we have his favor. All that being said, don't be OCD about the first with God because God is not a legalistic God. For example, if your check gets direct deposited automatically and your mortgage payment happens to be withdrawn, 
before your tithe is withdrawn or before you get to church. It's not like you're cursed. Years ago, people used to use checks, which are pieces of paper that you can fill out to pay things. Uh, if you're under 30, you probably, you probably have never seen one. <laughs> um, but it's kind of like a debit card or a credit card, you know, the, you know the thing. Um, years ago, my dad used to sit down and do his monthly bills, and he would make the Todd check out first and then pay the rest of his bills. You see, it was a lot easier back then to figure out which one was the first one to leave your hand. But it's a principle it's a heart matter. Answer this question in your heart. Is putting God first priority in all things, even my finances? I want to close by looking at Exodus 13 again. And this comes right after the instruction to offer God the firstborn. I'm going to pick up with verse 14. In the days to come, when your son asks you, what does this mean? You know, you're killing all these sheep, and, and you're breaking the necks of donkeys, and redeeming. Say to him, with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed the firstborn of both people and animals in Egypt. This is why I sacrificed to the Lord the first male offspring of every womb and redeemed each of my firstborn sons. You see, there's a story behind bringing God what's his. And it's a story that needs passed on from generation to generation. And that story is we were slaves to sin. It had a grip tighter than Pharaoh had on the Israelites in Egypt, and it would not let us go. And we were going to die and be separated from God forever. But the Lord sent his firstborn son, the perfect lamb of God, to redeem us when we were not clean. And that is why we bring to God what is first. We don't do it begrudgingly. We bring it joyfully. We give our whole heart, our whole life. He has laid claim to all of us because he did not spare the life of his one and only son that we could live and be redeemed. He calls us his own possession, precious in his sight. What wouldn't you offer God as thanks for his love and his sacrifice? Let's pray. God, I want to pray to you as we bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment. And I want to just ask everyone that's hearing my voice to just seek God in this moment and in the quiet 
of this time. God, we just want to ask you, what are you saying, God, to me right now? What are you saying? In my relationship with you, my relationship on my journey with Jesus, God, what are you saying? Am I trusting you with everything? What are you saying? And God, there, even if there's one person in this room that hasn't made you the big rock in their life, God, through a miracle of your grace, you always shift our priorities and our lives to allow to accept your son into our hearts. So if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus, if he's not a big rock in your life and in your heart, would you pray this simple prayer with me? Jesus, I want you to be my everything. I am unclean. I know the sin in my heart, my life, and today I want to put you first. I want your redemption. I want your salvation. I want your blood to wash me and make me clean. Redeem me as I make you the biggest rock in my life. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to the New Stanton Church Podcast. We'd love to connect with you. So visit our website at newstantonchurch.com, follow the Get Involved tab, and RSVP to our next meet and greet.